Hello and welcome to the Healed Approach podcast. I am your host, Rebecca Heald, workplace wellbeing and leadership consultant. The aim of this podcast is to bring the human back into leadership. It's about how success depends on healing, connection and better relationships because these are really key to well-being. You will find an open, honest and vulnerable approach that will inspire and motivate you on your business journey because fundamentally, well-being and leadership all come down to human connection. This is the real key to happier humans and better business outcomes. I really hope that you enjoy the show. So here we are again for another episode of the Healed Approach podcast and today I am joined by Samantha Cameron or Sam as I think she likes to be called. Thank you so much for being here today Sam. Thanks for having me. You are very welcome. So Sam is a social media expert, coach and certified business strategist. With a wealth of social media experience and knowledge spanning nearly eight years, Sam has consistently supported businesses towards achieving consistency and visibility on social media and the online space. Sam has over 30 years experience in sales and business development, which allows her to go beyond just social media and help business owners and entrepreneurs create comprehensive strategies throughout her businesses. Yeah, I think that's super important as well. She loves nothing more than empowering entrepreneurs to create social media, sales and business strategies that generate more inquiries, boost sales and establish a solid foundation for them to be more consistent and visible on their social media. And I think that's something that all of us entrepreneurs need to keep on top of for sure. Sam is also passionate about raising awareness of a rare mental health condition that her son has called Pervasive Arousal Withdrawal Symptom, or is it PAUSE that the acronym is pronounced as? It's PAUSE, yeah. It used to be PAUSE, but it's now called PAUSE. Okay. Um, And she is really passionate as well about supporting parents to get a diagnosis and on a referral list within a specialist unit. So absolutely amazing. Like I said, thank you. Sam for being here today I think we've got so much that we need to get into and you know lots that we will get into I have no doubt but first of all I do just want to start talking to you about what you do and what would be the top piece of advice that you would give entrepreneurs trying to boost sales through their socials because I think it's something that we're all kind of battling with (laughs) Yeah, it is. And and this is why I love what I do, because every day is very different. And social media is moving faster than it's ever done before. Before the pandemic, you know, businesses were using it. And then unfortunately, during the pandemic, a lot of businesses had to move online. So the, you know, the increase on using social media and the noise on social media is more than it's ever been before. So as a business owner, we're constantly fighting to be heard the loudest, but there is this element where you have to kind of say to yourself, how far do you actually go? And I do get people that say to me, you know, I haven't got the time or I don't want to be on social media because it's very negative or it stresses me out. But as a business owner, you can actually use it as a, you know, to actually help you grow your business, help you generate sales and leads. And I always say to people, look, just pick one or two social media platforms that work for you or you feel you're comfortable with. And it is about being consistent. You can't just put one or two posts out a week and expect, you know, businesses, other businesses or people come to you and buy your products and services. You have got to be consistent. You've got to be 
in these places every single day on numerous occasions. And I always am amazed where, when businesses say to me, oh, you know, well, I, I can't be bothered with that. But yet our social media and marketing for a lot of businesses is a huge factor in our business. And you look at all these multi-million pound companies, think about how much they're actually spending on their social media and their marketing. And that's because actually it's one of the first, you know, forefronts of their minds when they're planning their planning for the year ahead or their budgeting. Um, but yet as small businesses, we don't feel that we need to be doing that. And yet I I kind of show people actually if you do do that, the benefits it actually has. And I'm living proof of that. You know, for eight years I've been using social media to grow my social media business. And it's how my business grows, a huge percentage of it is through social media. And it's about showing people how they can do that as well. But it is about visibility. It's about being consistent and all those little things that you need to do in order to create this. It's like a jigsaw puzzle. Yeah. We've got little pieces that we need to build together to make one big picture, which is what we all need. But it's, it's trying to understand that. And you don't have to sit there scrolling for hours and hours. You don't have to spend hours a day doing it. You can just spend little pockets of time throughout the day to actually have a really good social media and marketing strategy I love that although I call it a spider's web rather than jigsaw but (laughs) but um yeah no and I am totally on your page with this and I mean I don't know if um if you're aware but I think it was last week or the week before I actually won um an award for best use of social media to drive business so I'm not I'm not an expert in it by any means but all I've done is it's two things that you mentioned there. One is I've chosen my preferred platform and I've focused really heavily on that. I am visible on other things, but, you know, LinkedIn is the one that I'm really kind of been been working on and building those relationships on. And two is the consistency. Yeah. Absolutely. And people are like, why do you post so much? And I'm like, because and then but then people go, yeah, but you're always on my feed. And I'm like, exactly. That's why I'm posting so much. And 99 percent of my business has come through social media. So yeah. you are talking to the converted, but I still missed, I still could do with some tips, to be quite honest. But um... if you think about it, there's over there's over 100 social media platforms and we can't mental. And there's new ones launching all the time. I think this week someone mentioned ZZ to me and I was like, what? What? And it's like, I take my hat off to anybody that feels that they want to create a social media platform. But look at when Meta launched Threads. Um, you know, they had the biggest uptake of social media users ever in history. Wow, really? Yeah, but two weeks in, only 30% of people were still using it. Yeah, I, I admit I'm one of those ones that signed up. I've never really used it. <laughs> and I think it isn't. It's not because what it offers is a great platform, but it's that time element of, oh, my God, we've got to use another one. I'm, you know, I, yeah. I heavily use Facebook then LinkedIn is my second one. And then I kind of have this visibility and presence on other social media platforms that I like using. But there are lots of them that I, you know, I'll go and have a look, I'll set up a profile because I want to get the the social media handle. But I then don't do anything with them. But it's always good to have that backup plan just in case you do lose a social media platform or that social media platform isn't around tomorrow. But you do, it's it's about being there in front of everybody. And, and it's like what you said, a little bit like what you said before, making that people are actually sick to death of seeing you. Yes. Because that's what you need to be. 
I was thinking about something. What was I thinking about? I think I think I was doing a post. It might have even been today. I might have done a live. And I thought to myself, God, I've, I've talked about this a million times. And I thought to myself, that's good. That's what I need to be doing. I need to be overdoing it. And I talk a lot about this in, in organisations that I work with as well. Yeah, you need to be banging on about, you know, well-being and, and you need to be talking and you need to be, you know, constantly talking about communication and improvement. You know, it's, it's we we feel like we're over laboring things, but that's how we need to do it. Right. We do. And people need to see things 27 times on yes. social media before they buy it or trust us. So if we the more we're sharing that 27 times becomes less and less and less. And then people will go do you know what I actually trust this person I'm happy to part with money or I'm happy to book them to do this or I want to buy what they do because we've built that trust up and they get to know us and how many friends do we have through social media but we've never met in real life but we class them as friends because we comment on their posts we'll chat with them in messenger and that's what we want to be kind of creating in social media and we do we need to be telling a story through our social media content and this is I'm, I'm a big like bang on I bang on about this all the time with my clients and I just say you can't put something out once and expect everybody to sign up you need to have a plan you need to tell this story and I'm very much like you if I'm promoting something my social media is going to be kind of targeted on that thing that I'm promoting it's not constantly selling to people but it's putting scenarios out there and posts where I'm talking around why people should be doing this and why they should be doing that and you do you feel like you're hitting the head against brick wall going I feel like I'm always talking about this but it is important it's really important to get our message across I um, think so and I think one mistake that I have made um, and sometimes do still make is flitting from things all the time because I I am you know like most entrepreneurs anything shiny and new I'm on it you know and I've got so much like when people say oh I don't know what to talk about on social media I'm flabbergasted because you know what I mean I'm like I could talk forever on social media about things I have to rein myself in yeah. but I think um you know I am I have been guilty of thinking oh I've said that now everybody's seen it I need to talk about something else or I need to be, you know, and, and I have to constantly bring myself back to know, you know, you know, you need to stay focused. You need to kind of keep talking about this one thing because you need to be known for this one thing. And people need to be going, oh, I need help with that. I'm going to go to Rebecca. Whereas if you're constantly, I mean, I'm always talking about something in the same space, but it's like, so what I did realize at one point, it was like people would be thinking, so what is she what can she help me with? Can she help me with this or can she help me with that? I'm not really sure. So I've definitely been guilty of that kind of butterfly effect, I guess. So yeah, yeah what you say there, whenever I think to myself, am I overdoing this? I'm like, yeah, I am, but that's a good thing. It is, it's staying in your lane, keeping focused and making sure that people know what it is that you know you are known for because then you become the expert and, and that's when people will recommend you and send referrals to you because they may not have used you themselves but because they've seen everything they'll go right Sam's the person you need to speak to and I'll get referrals all the time and they'll say oh so and so recommended and I'll go who I've no idea who that person is but that's great because it means that people because people are always watching and I think that's the thing that people get really disheartened with oh I put my social media out nobody comments no one interacts well actually people are watching it's just that we're busy and people don't have time to comment. People don't have time to share that little like or the love or, the, you know, whatever it is, a sad face. 
that we we're just busy constantly but we're looking and we're watching and the more you put out the more people are going to know what you do yeah and I've got a perfect example of that <clears throat> so it's happened to me twice um where I've walked in somewhere and once in Edinburgh but once more locally and so the, the most recent one was when I walked into a um a nearby bar a coffee well twice I walked into a nearby bar and also I walked into a coffee shop not not as close to me and both times like oh congratulations on your award complete strangers no idea who they are and it's I was like how, how do you know oh I saw it on I saw it on Facebook or I saw it on LinkedIn and it's like wow so you, do you know what I mean that's what I mean even people that you don't know are watching are watching yeah, yeah they are they are and that's what you've got to think about is getting that mindset of People are always watching me. People are always watching me. I've just got to, it's like a TV program, isn't it? Just constantly getting that episode out after episode after episode so that people are hooked, that they want to see what's coming next. There's a, there's a lot to be said for repetition, definitely. Yeah. I sometimes get that when I do my training. Oh, this is, and I'm like, yeah, repetition is yeah. super important, definitely, because we need to hear things and see things. Um, it's the same, like you said, about 27 times before we buy. It's the same with, I talk about, um you know with my kids they need to see a food 16 17 times before they'll try it do you know what I mean so it's creating it's do you know what I think it is I think it is when it comes down to it yeah I mean you know historically you know when we look back at you know our evolution we mm. have to to create a sense of belonging you need to kind of somebody needs to repeat kind of the, the body um what am I trying to say you know things like eye contact body um oh body language etc you you need to keep see those, seeing those things repeated over time to develop that sense of trust and safety don't you um and it's the same i guess it's exactly the same when it comes to trying new things or you know people on social media you don't you know it's about building that trust and rapport so that we can trust each other and like i said that's something that's been you know it's always been innate within us i guess is what yeah. i'm trying to say and this is why again i think a lot of us also you know, we, we kind of get that stuck in this kind of thing of, you know, people pleasing and, you know, we shouldn't be people pleasing, but it's built within us again, because if we weren't accepted by our tribes, the chances are we were going to die. But obviously, you know, the world has changed a lot since then. So this all makes so much sense when you look at it. Yeah. Yeah. Hugely. It's just taking that step to actually start doing it and then creating this habit of being consistent because it does it does pay off and I, I it sometimes it drives me insane because I'll you know a business will say oh you know I can't afford I can't afford to do that you know my business isn't growing and you just think yes but if you did that your business would grow and you would be able to and it's just sometimes you just think that it's I know it's a chicken and egg situation but there are ways that you can use social media in a, such an amazing way to grow your business, really can, without just slapdash putting content out and thinking, oh, if I stick that post out, I'll get clients. If I do that, someone's going to sign up for that. So, yeah, it's um, it's just getting people to understand the power of social media. Yeah. And then what you said there about people not wanting to spend money because their business needs to grow first, this is the very same situation I get when I'm trying, you know, when I'm pitching to organizations around like leadership and well-being oh well you know we can't and I'm like well you know if you invest in this you know yeah. you are your productivity your profits everything's going to improve but mm. yeah it's just yeah. a bit of a mindset shift yeah, we I think. have to invest in our businesses and ourselves because if you well the thing is if you don't invest in yourself especially if, if you're a business owner and you're on your own if you don't invest in yourself 
and you're not working to the right capacity, then your business isn't going to work. So you have to have this balance, don't you, where you're investing in both. And it's amazing how many businesses I speak to and they do neither. Yeah. And I, I, I've been on that journey as well where I haven't looked after myself and business has suffered. Yeah. Um, and usually it's a knock-on effect. So it doesn't happen at the time. It's kind of afterwards. It's, you know, there's a bit of a lag, but it, it, it happens, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, and, and I think as well, you know, when we look after ourselves, we are better able, we're able to better perform, we're able to listen to our gut better, we're able to, you know, and that's what makes a difference, I think, in business. Mm. Um, okay, I do really want to also as well, because I think, you know, what you've shared about um, your son and, and kind of your experience there, I just wondered if you wouldn't mind sharing a little bit about that and how it is that you are supporting other parents. I guess. Yes. As much as you feel comfortable sharing. No, no, that's fine. So back in 2020, um, Bo was 10. And after being, uh, there was a bullying incident. Um, he basically suffered a trauma, which in over, over a certain amount of months, his body started to shut down. So first of all, he would, he kind of backed off all the things that he liked to do. He was in pain. Um, he didn't want to go to school. And then over like the Christmas period and kind of a few months after that, he then started losing weight. He stopped eating. Um, and then just pretty much overnight, he just stopped walking, stopped communicating, stopped interacting, was put on an NG tube. Um, because he wouldn't eat or drink anything and it was it, it was it was just our world just changed overnight so we we did hospital and they just told us that you know things would get better with time but it didn't things got started to get worse so I had to make a decision because at this point we were we were to the first initial thing happened in the October and Bo kind of shut down fully by the March and then I had to make a decision when he needed feeding through an NG tube carrying to the toilet was in a wheelchair had a hospital bed in his bedroom that I couldn't juggle my business and care for him full-time as well so we made the decision that actually I would kind of back away from the business um, as much as I possibly could to care for him now thankfully because I had built the right foundations for my business through my social media I was able to take that back step without financially being affected too much and my business continued to still grow but during that time it was you know not knowing what was wrong with him because he wasn't actually diagnosed until the August so we kind of went from March until August not really knowing what was wrong with him well we went from October to August and um it wasn't until me being mama bear and on the phone or emailing Great Ormond Street Hospital every single day where we actually got a diagnosis, which was PAWS, um, Pervasive Arousal Withdrawal Syndrome. And it was, it was kind of this relief that we had, a, we had a diagnosis, but when you then started doing all the research and you're kind of like, Nobody knows what this is. The last, well, I remember doing the research. So this was in 2021. And the last paper that was written on pause, which it was actually was called PARS back then, was in 1972. So oh. it was like, 
I was reading a paper that was nearly 50 years old on a condition that my son had. So I managed to find a group on Facebook. Um, there were 32 other parents in there whose children had either had pause or thought, believed to have had pause. And it was it was reassuring because parents were saying, you know, that their child had kind of recovered from it and they were leading pretty much a normal life. But it was then how that recovery looked because we were just coming out of lock with COVID. Hospital, trying to get hospital appointments was ridiculous. Great Ormond Street weren't taking any private clients. And we were basically told that it was an 18-month waiting list before Bo would get a hospital bed. And even then, it was he would go to one of these hospitals. He would live there for at least a year because that's a recovery rate for pause. And um, we were, we would see him once a week for an hour. Now, when you've got a 10-year-old child to go, right, you know, we've been there for him every single day since the minute he was born to not having us around, That I thought myself that would have an even bigger impact. But we were really lucky because we did get contacted by a, a mental health unit in Cambridge who could take Bo pretty much within weeks of us getting the diagnosis so he was diagnosed in August um, and I think we got the phone call from them in mid-October and they said that they'd have a bed for us ready in January then two hours later said could we come in and within a couple of weeks so mm -hmm. it moved pretty quickly and I have to say because I was allowed to go with him and be there and live with him we were able to work really really quickly with him and by so this was the we we were admitted into the unit in November. On Boxing Day, he took he started walking with our support. Um, over Christmas, we managed to take the feeding tube out and get him eating again, and we it was really good because we were starting to make progress really really quickly. But I do feel that's because we were there supporting him, and he had us like he'd had all along. Um, and then October, well, September last year, he went back to school full time. And then in October last year, he started speaking again. So we now have Bo kind of back as a child. But back in when this all happened, we lost Bo. We lost our child. We had to grieve for a child that was was physically there, but wasn't there anymore. And I always laugh because I always think to myself that Bo my bow is at Legoland playing. Sorry, I get really emotional about this. And that's how I see him, that 10-year-old boy. But now I have I have an amazing, third, well, he's 13 next month. Oh, same and, as my son. Yeah, and honestly, you know, the love that we have for him, it's, it's incredible because... We, we had to grieve for that child we lost and then we had to learn how to love the boy that we had. Um, and there it's really mixed feelings because you want to get that boy back, but you know you're never going to get that boy back. But the boy we have now is, is so funny and he's, you know, he's loving and we love him like, you know, like any of our, you know, any of our other four children. Um, but it's it's incredible. We and Bo and I had a really strong bond before all of this happened. Don't think we have that same bond now, but it's that's 
not from not because of the situation it's just because he's older you know he lost he lost oh you know two years of his life um and it's he'll never get that back we'll never get that back but it's it's then it's made it's made us stronger as a family as well. And it just shows you how resilient you can be. And I've been back in my business now a year this month. And it's it's been an interesting journey because that was really hard as well from being out of it for 18 months, out of my circles and face-to-face networking and meeting up with people. And I, I suffered from PTSD and anxiety through, the, through everything that happened. So I, I've had to work on that in, over the last year. Um, and other bits, you know, other things. And I've worked heavily. And as I said before, you know, I've invested so much in my own personal growth in the last year that it's it's been it's been a real interesting journey. But I then wanted to give back. And that's why I've wanted to support other parents, because I get messages all the time from people saying, oh, my friend's son has got, you know, is suffering with this. Do you think it could be the same as what Bo had? And I will say no. It's nothing at all, but they need to reach out to a hospital or see a consultant to see what they can do. And then I get other parents that will message me and say, you know, our child is suffering with this or they're doing that. And I go, yeah, it sounds to me like it's pause. This is what you need to be doing. You need to get diagnosis. You need to be getting this. You need and having all of that knowledge, because when this first happened to us, we had no support whatsoever. I was, we were in hospital for 10 days when Bo lost all the weight and was put on an NG tube. We were sent home with no support. And for a month, well, for two weeks, we had nothing. And it wasn't until our local doctors rung us to just follow up on the hospital visit. And I broke down and said, you know, I'm, I'm, it's like having a newborn, but 10 times worse, because I'm having to feed him constantly through a tube. I don't know what I'm doing. Is this my life now? We even got to one point where we, before we had the diagnosis, we were considering putting Bo into a care home, because we just didn't know what to do. And, you know, who as a mum who has brought that child into this world wants to turn around and say, I can't look after you anymore. I don't know what to do. This is this is going to kill me, and I need to be there for the. Children. I was going to say, and you've got siblings. He's got you've got other yeah. children as well, and we just didn't know what to do. And thankfully, because of my perseverance and battling, you know, I got the support we needed. We got occupational therapy. We got a um, community nurse involved. Physio. I mean, physio still work with Bo today. You know, speech and language everything everybody did rally round and I have to say his team at the hospital were brilliant because they were constantly like look can we should we try this should we do this where can we go and working all together I, I, I do believe that is why we managed to get Bo through rehab and rehabilitated so quickly because when he was 10 when this first happened and I had it in my head that he wouldn't be he'd be 15 before we would have a normal boy back. I don't. I use the word normal loosely because I don't think any of us are normal. Um, so I do use that very, very loosely. But it to get to to celebrate his thirteenth birthday next month, you know, is is incredible. And that's what I want to do with parents now. I don't want them wasting 
three or five years of their child's life. It's about actually, this is what you should be doing and this is how you can get help and fast tracking it. And we've just done it with another family. Um, their boy's eight. Um, he has been diagnosed with PAWS and he's going into a hospital. Uh, I think he's actually, I think he actually went in last week. So it's great to know that if he does a year of rehab, even two years of worst case scenario, they will have their boy back by the time he's 10, 11. And that's just incredible because he can then go to secondary school. He can then have a life um, without thinking that he's going into his late teens before before embracing that. So that's what I'm passionate about now is, is sharing my knowledge and my advice and what I went through and understanding what parents are going through and saying to them it's okay if you want to be resentful it's okay if you want to hate your day and not be there and not do what you're doing every day because I've been there I've done that and it absolutely sucks and no one should have to do it but unfortunately the system the NHS and the mental health support system out there for children is broken completely. I could not agree more. I'm going through something with my son at the moment. I've been on the phone, like you though, I've been pushing and pushing and pushing. Um, and this is all on the back of his trauma with, you know, um, what happened to us, you know, because so much of what you say resonates in terms of not with your son. I mean, I can't even imagine, you know, you honestly, um, you know, to think about what you said there about having to grieve a son and then learning, you know, how to kind of accept your new son. And that's sorry, that sounds awful the way that I've put that, but no, and that's as a exactly. mother and as a mother, you know, with children similar age, it's just, you know, I think it's just I just couldn't even imagine. Um but of course, you know, I do appreciate all of the work that you've done when because it's like you, I was also diagnosed with PTSD and you know, and I, I know, I know just what strength it takes to go through that journey that you're that you've been going through, on your personal journey. I mean, on healing, um, because you know, and so to, to 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 do all of that and and be where you are with your business, and you know, and all of the things that you've been telling me in terms of, you know, how your business has grown. It's just it's just amazing, and to want to give back as well. And I love this piece where you said about the compassion you know about being okay it's okay we have feelings we shouldn't be repressing those feelings it's okay to feel that I, I talk about this because I, I experienced really bad postnatal depression after having my son at the time I couldn't you know but now I can say there were times I wanted someone to just take my son away you know and and I wish that I'd known that it was okay to feel like that at the time but of course I didn't I hated myself because it was that stigma and that taboo around it so we need to be talking more about this you need to be talking about your experience and sharing that with parents because we need to have that self-compassion, I think. We do. And I remember many a time where I would walk into the room that he was in and I would just be like, just, just you know, would be like, do this anymore. And it's it's horrible. And he used to do this sound. And I always we used to call him the pterodactyl because he had a tick because paws comes with a tick as well, and the tick would then have like this pterodactyl sound after it. So he would click and then make this noise. 
remember one time just shutting myself in the bathroom and just literally bursting out into tears and like I can't listen to it anymore. I just want it to go away because we had no respite. I couldn't leave the house. And we even tried to get respite just so that we could take the other children out for the day yeah. as a family. And we couldn't even get that. We couldn't even get a carer. We couldn't even get anything private because we would ring private companies up and say, look, can we just book a carer for like three or four hours so we can just go and have a family meal together rather than my husband taking the kids out on his own. And we couldn't even do that because they just weren't, ta- because of the time that it was with COVID, they weren't take. they had no capacity to take anybody on. And it was just awful. And you know, and then having to leave the family home for six months, because we were only in hospital for six months, which was incredible. But going to live in a kind of unit that with other parents whose children had mental health issues, that's really bizarre. Because we lived, Bo and I lived in this room that had two single beds. I took a desk, so I had some kind of office, and we had a wardrobe. And that's all we had in this room for six months. And I could, I had a kitchen I could use with six other parents. And there was a lounge that I could sit in with six other parents. But it was really strict, you know, and you had to be in bed by 8.30 every night. And it was, you know, you were talking to doctors, nurses, consultants, therapists every single day. And it, and people would say to me, oh, God, you know, you're going to have all that free time on your hands. And it's like... No, I'm not. I'm exhausted from actually doing it. But it was the best thing that we ever have, whatever happened to us, because we got, you know, we managed to work with them to actually get Bo back. And thankfully, my husband was able to take six months off work to be here in the family home to keep the family running and and take over mum role because he had to. What an incredible story, honestly. Do you know one thing? I, I did this, um, I did a post today, actually, or a TikTok, I think I did, you know. And um, I said about how what doesn't kill you makes you stronger and how actually I understand why we use that phrase, but I think, you know, it's quite a damaging narrative because what doesn't kill you doesn't always make you stronger. It it does you know, it makes you more sensitive, it changes you, it, you know, it's not, we don't always get pushed out of our comfort zone and grow. I mean, obviously, you have done some lots of lots of personal work, but you've got the aftermath of all of that. You know, so I think there is this, I think I do, I mean, you might not agree with me, but I do think this, you know, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger narrative is quite damaging. Because, you know, yeah, um, actually, it can make you like I said, more sensitive to, to trauma and tragedy again because you're reliving things. And But anyway, that's on another tangent But because yeah. obviously you have had a journey and you have come out the other end, but you're probably a different person and a different family as a yeah. result. We are. We're all very, very different because the other children went through it as well and they all went through their own personal journeys. As a husband and wife, we went through our own kind of journey and we're starting to get that all back and starting to kind of have some kind of normalization in life again but it is what it has done it has made us stronger um but it's also made us prepared because Bo could relapse at any time um and I do get you know when he's ill that's that's the trigger and it's then kind of going okay how do we deal with this and I would like to think that if it did happen again then great 
I can go in full blaze, know exactly and know how to deal with it. But it's, I, I do believe in things happen for a reason. I feel it's made me a stronger person. I feel it's made me a better person. I'm a different person, I think. And we don't take life for granted now. I don't think we did before, but we definitely don't now. We we make every moment count. And I hope one day uh, I can share Bo's journey with him and he can realise how amazing he is and how far he's come. But at the moment, he doesn't remember anything before it happening. He doesn't remember what happened during that time. Stuff comes back to him now and then and he'll say, Mum, was that a dream or did that really happen in my life? And I try not to go into too much detail, but he doesn't want to know what happened. So I hope one day he does. And maybe one day he'll be an advocate to support other children going through it. I don't know. But that's why I'm his voice, because he can't be his voice. I'm his voice for him. Amazing. Just one last question before we wrap this up. And thank you so much for sharing that. You know, I didn't have, obviously I knew a little bit about it, but nothing to that extent. So thank you so much. I think this is such a powerful episode on so many levels. Um, but one last question. What is the one thing, I guess, that, that this journey, you know, your journey through business, your journey with your son, what's the one thing it's taught you most about yourself? I think what it's taught me is how, it's that thing, isn't it, that, um, you could throw anything at me and I will just come back stronger. And I think what it's made me realise is that no matter what life throws at me now, I'm there to deal with it and I deal with it in the right way rather than thinking, right, this has got to be a negative thing. Let's work through this. You know, since when Bo was poorly, we lost my mother-in-law very suddenly. Um, I was they thought I had cancer, so I had a cancer scare, had to have a full hysterectomy. You know, I've recently just, I've lost both, I've lost, well, three grandparents in the space of like six months. And I think you kind of think to yourself, just give it to me. You can throw, well, just throw whatever you want at me because you are not going to defeat me. You are going to make me stronger. And I think we all, we all deal with things in our personal life very, very different, but just, remember that whatever life throws at you just work through it and work on yourself. that's the important thing and I think that was yeah. the point I was trying to make before as well it's not things just don't make us stronger we don't just get up dust ourselves down and carry on I I know that I you know I still do suffer thankfully nothing like I did but I still struggle with anxiety and things like that because of my previous trauma um you know so but I do know that if I hadn't have kind of accepted that and acknowledged that and, and done the healing work, then I yeah. wouldn't have got a, been a stronger and better person. So, and I guess that's what I'm trying to say about the narrative of what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. It'll only make you stronger if you do the work and don't yeah. just think, oh, that's just, that, that's happened. I'm going to move on. I'm going to be stronger. No, because you're going to be triggered at some point. Yeah. And it will come. And it will come back. And you have, you've got to speak to people. You've got to reach out. And and that's the thing is work on your inner self and kind in a way I've worked I've worked to fix me over the last year because I was broken but I didn't want to be broken anymore I wanted to be and and I am a completely different person I mean just to give you an idea and I know we're kind of rambling now but on Saturday the kids wanted to do Nerf gun training 
and I booked them onto it um, when we were away over the weekend. And there was only three people booked on, two of them being Bo and Molly, our children. But they needed four. And they said, oh, you know, as a parent, do you want to come and do this? Now, that's my husband's job. We, you know, my husband's the one that goes and does all the running around and the fun, you know, that kind of thing. And he lasted five minutes. And he was like, Sam, I'm absolutely exhausted. And I was like, right, I'm getting out there and I'm doing that. Three years ago, I would never have done that. Yeah, that, I can... that is me now. I kind of think, do you know what? I don't care. I'm going to live every moment um, that I possibly can. That resonates can. so much on so yeah. many levels. Yeah. yeah, And I think that's the thing. When you get to that point, when something like this has happened to you, you can't sit in the shadow and think, what if it happens again? Oh, my God, this has happened. I've got to deal with this. You've got to work through it. You've got to work on yourself and understand that actually you've come through it. Make it count. What can you do to actually make something bad into something good? And Absolutely. that's what we need. I couldn't agree more with that. You know, it's about, yeah, it is about looking for the good in everything, isn't it? And that is a mindset shift that is powerful. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, yeah, I, I couldn't agree with Because you get out of the universe what you put in. You do. You do. Massively. On that note, where can people find you? Oh, so you can find me literally everywhere on social media. So my, my website is samanthacameronsocial.co.uk. I'm on Facebook as Samantha Cameron Social. I'm on Instagram, LinkedIn. I'm on TikTok. Um, yeah, come and find me. Come and connect with me. Reach out if you've got any questions or you want to ask more about Bo. Feel free to ask because I'm happy to share his story. If you know somebody that might be going through something similar, even if you're not sure, just message me and ask the question. And I, I'm not going to ignore you. I'm, I'm here to help. But yeah please do reach out and connect because that's what I love doing. I love connecting with people and building relationships and getting to know people a little bit more. Same. That's why I've loved this podcast. But yeah. thank you so much. That is, yeah, thank you. And thank you so much for sharing that with the readers and, and offering to kind of connect with people. I will put all of the links into the um, into the show notes so that people can can kind of find you really easily. Um, and thanks so much again. You're such an inspiration, and I really appreciate you taking the time today to share all of that with my listeners. Oh, thank you for having me. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much. Right. Is that okay? Yeah, that was brilliant. I um, right, yeah, it was good. Sorry, I'm just checking. I have to go, and oh no. And that's a wrap. Thank you so much for listening. We really hope that you enjoyed the show. And if you did, please do like, comment and share with your audience. If you would like to know more about how I am championing and implementing fearless workplace wellbeing, one bold step at a time, then please do connect with me on LinkedIn or on any other social media channel using the hashtag Rebecca Healed Leadership. You can also email me, rebecca at rebecca-healed.co.uk or you will find me at www.rebecca-healed.co.uk. Thank you again for listening and I hope to see you next time.